welcome back, everybody, to a brand new episode of the Movies and Brews podcast, where we talk movies and we drink some brews. Um, Secret Agent Jordan, and sitting across from me here is my nemesis, Double O Negative, Daniel Blofeld. Today, we got a special throwback episode leading up to the release of No Time to Die. We are going to be talking the Daniel Craig Bond films. And so today, we'll start with the first two. We're going to be talking some Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. So sit back, relax, grab that martini, and let's get to it. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Disgusting. I hope you recorded it. Good chance I might have. Well, before we get started here, let's talk about what we're drinking. Daniel, it was your way to bring something for beer and tell. What did you bring? So this week I brought an ex novo, which is very, f- and it is also Col- collaboration uh, brew. It looks like from Migration Brewing, which I, Ooh, we've had both of them. Two on the of show. my favorite breweries around here, and it's called Migratory Patterns, and it's a pilsner. Not quite as cold as they usually are when you bring them. No, I forgot to. You know, chill them before you kind of were just sitting in my car overnight was fine because it was cold. Yeah, at least but I got these chill glasses that stay in the freezer. Thank God. All right, well, cool. Yes, I love both this, these companies. Yeah, it smells good. And like, I something that kind of clicked because, mm. like, well, mm, Greta, that's, that's good. That is good. Well, hey, check it out. Yeah, Portland I Brood. always forget that I like Pilsners until you give me one. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, because I just get stuck in the rut of drinking IPAs they're, all the time. Yeah, they're more of a summer thing. I always think they're more of a summer thing, but I do like my occasion. Like, I had a really good one, German-style one, last week at Breakside, and that was just phenomenal. But, yeah, again, those are usually something to drink more over the summer. But, yeah, this is tasty. Thanks yeah. for bringing it. All right, Daniel, we'll let move on here and talk some movie news. I know there's a few things floating around this week. <coughs> Harvey Weinstein is going behind bars. We'll see, hopefully. <laughs> well, yeah, possibly. But oh, that's for the courts to decide. Well, supposedly he uh, is now in the hospital. Supposedly? Well, I didn't hear about well, that. Well, I, I think uh, officially, yes. So after he uh, got pleaded guilty for at least two charges... Now he's in the hospital. <laughs> oh, really? Hmm. We'll see. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. Well, I didn't hear that he was in the hospital. I heard about his sentencing, though. Or, well, not sentencing, but guilty. <laughs> so, yes, there'll be probably no more Weinstein in Hollywood, which, not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. No, sir. But we have that. There's not, like, it wasn't super, super heavy in movie news, but I've got a couple things. So, the Jurassic World 3... Now has an official title. Oh, really? Jurassic World Dominion. So that's something. I don't really care about these movies anymore. The first one was fun. The second one was yikes. And then the third one, well, the second one was yikes. So I don't care about the third one. But there's been rumor that a lot of like some original cast is going to return. Yeah, I've heard Sam Neill and uh, Laura Dern. Yeah, which will be cool. But, you know. For something that's already we got leaned least... so hard into nostalgia and has been kind of mediocre. Well, who's directing like this one, though? Is uh, Trevor O coming back? Yeah, it's Trevor O again. Okay. So at least we're not getting the same director as last time. Yeah, so we'll see what happens now. No more cheesy clones. That's all I say. Yeah, that was just dumb. Jump the shark. <laughs> yeah. But we also have Chris Evans in talks to play... Uh, the role of the dentist in the little 
I guess a Little Shop of Horrors remake or reboot. They're gonna do another reboot. Apparently, really. I didn't even hear about that they were doing this until I saw Chris Evans is in talks, and also with uh, Scarlett Johansson. You know, I still have never seen the '80s one with Rick Moranis. I've seen the original '50s one, which is cheesy as hell. And I'm, but I'm sure the '80s one, which probably now is cheesy, but I'm sure it takes it to the next, the next level. We'll see. I don't yeah, know. I've never seen that either, but it's always been like something that I it should be on my list. I should have watched it by now. Cult classic. Oh, I mean, I should have seen the 80s one by now myself because, yeah, cult classic, like you say. But I'm like, I thought that was kind of fun and interesting. To, he'll be playing the dentist, but since I've never seen it, I don't know his character besides that he's a dentist. But he's not the main character. <laughs> it's just in the opening act. Like, all right, your teeth look good, sir. All right, on you go. Back yep. to the flower shop. Exactly. I, I have no idea. So... <laughs> I don't know. That'd be fun, though. I should definitely see the original before yeah, that. Pilsner is good. Yeah. And then the last news was big breaking news that came out today as of recording on February 25th. But Bob Iger steps down as Disney CEO effective immediately. Dun, dun, dun. But he is still going to be with the company for the next 22 months as like, or what was it, as the chairman to help the new CEO like transition. Any reason why. It's not like, hey, at the end of the year, I'm retiring. Like an announcement like that. <laughs> it seems very sudden. It does seem very sudden. What I've read is like one take that I read, and I don't remember where I saw this, but like, you know, like, well, they've just finished acquiring, you know, the Fox merger is pretty much like it's done. Yeah, he did a bunch, he completed, essentially, he completed a ton of long projects that would be pretty much unreasonable for a ceo a new ceo to come in and pick up in the middle of something like that so i think it's probably before they start doing aladdin 2 lion king 2 jungle book 2 is like i'm out i don't want to be known as the sequel guy i'll be known as the live action remake guy but i don't want to be known as the sequel guy <laughs> yeah so it just sounds like i don't know it, i mean it's been making probably oodles and oodles of money for the last 15 years as the ceo Oh, he's probably a cajillionaire. Yeah, so he's going to be comfortable for the rest of his life, no matter what. But I think it's probably just seems like, to me, just like, unless it comes out that he's just like having like sudden health issues or something, that he's probably like, I've done a lot here. I've completed a lot. I don't know. He, he, in the interview, he looks like a healthy guy in the interviews. I mean, who knows yeah, what's, you un, know. what's under the surface. But I mean, he, he seems like a doing, like he's doing good. I, I don't know. It, it, it just seems so sudden Yeah, to hear that news. I know when he said effective immediately, like when I'm like, I'm like, oh, that made it sound like he was just gone completely, like stepped down, like no, nowhere at Disney. But at least he's, it is kind of comforting that twenty, he's gonna be with the company for until his contract is up in twenty two months to ensure. And who's the new guy? Another Bob is all I. Yeah, I know it's another Bob. (laughs) Another Bob. (laughs) Uh, so it's the company's chairman that's stepping up as the CEO, and it's the chairman of the Disney Parks Experiences and Products, Bob. Chapek. So that means they're hiring for a chairman. Uh, I should have put in an application. Possibly. That'd be awesome. <laughs> like, see you, Daniel. I'm going to go. Work at Disney. <laughs> Work at Disney now. Bye. So, yeah, it's just kind of... I'll, I'll send discounts for merchandise. I would hope for some free Steelbook Marvel movies. Steelbook Marvel movies, Baby Yoda dolls when they come out. Oh, Lord. It's, they just announced like a bunch of new slated Baby Yoda stuff. And I text my girlfriend. I'm like, I know what I want for Christmas. It's a $60 animatronic Baby Yoda. Nice. Well, know what else is cool? 
Mandalorian Lego coming this fall. That's cool. Technically not movie news, but Lego uh, news. And that's, that's just as good. If Just not as related. I mean, it's, but yes, yeah. they're bringing his ship to be a Lego set. I know. It's going to be sweet. Can't wait. Um, but yeah, so Bob Iger stepping down as Disney CEO and Bob Chapek stepping up as the Disney CEO. All right. Well, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Uh, and I'll be curious to see when, yeah, more information on that. It's so fresh, though, still. Yeah, literally. Like, I remember immediately, like, you know, I get Twitter Twitter notifications of a bunch of stuff. And they just say, Bob Iger, done. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, Dan, why isn't the report done? I'm reading about it, but Bob Iger. Yeah. This exactly. is important. Breaking stuff. <laughs> breaking stuff. They're like, Daniel, don't be on your phone. I'm like, Bob Iger is not the CEO of Disney anymore. <laughs> like, Okay, right? Yeah. It's kind hey, of a big deal. Daniel, send me in your office. Uh, I'll be there in a minute. Just all It's on. kind of a big deal. Oh. Even if you're not like into <laughs> comics and stuff, like Disney's global, worldwide, they have something that you want. Some. <laughs> they have something that you want. So everybody's, well, you I, know. I know I want Mandalorian Lego. Exactly. Well, that's still coming. And a season two. Oh, that's definitely still coming. Heck Yeah. All right, well, we don't move any news here. Let's move on to other things we've seen this week. So, Daniel, I've got two things I'd like to talk about. It sounds like Daniel had to postpone his uh, nocturnal animals. Nocturnal animals. So we'll I po- still technically, I, I have two things still. Okay, well, I got two. You got two. Who wants to go first? I'll go first. All right, go. So the first thing that I'm going to talk about is, well, technically not a movie, it was an hour and a half long TV pilot, so I, I'm gonna count it because I was pretty, I was getting pretty hyped, and like the the marketing blitz for this was crazy. But the Amazon originals, like Hunter T, Hunter's TV show that premiered on Friday, a uh, little I don't know if it's a yeah, not to be confused with Universal's The Hunt coming out soon. Right, I actually already made that mistake. <laughs> But no, Hunters that takes place in the 1970s. It's a fictional take where essentially like post-World War II, you know, uh, the U.S. snatches up a bunch of like Nazi scientists and people who are in charge of like the camps, you know, and they're living freely in the U.S. Is Christopher Waltz one of them? No, that would be cool, though. Uh, cool. Wouldn't that be a good cameo later on? Yeah, His character from Inglorious Bastards just happens to be on the show. Oh, my God. <laughs> anyway, continue. Sorry. That would be great. I was actually <laughs> thinking about that. But, but yeah, so essentially the uh, these people known as hunters, which are just uh, the people leading them were uh, two Jewish people that were in internment camps. And then they have a, a younger generation of like hunters. And I've only watched the first episode, so I don't know if these people are also Jewish or if they're just like, fuck Nazis. Either way works for me. (laughs) But so they're hunting down high-ranking Nazi officials that live, like, at least so far, they're located in New York. So the ones that they're hunting are specifically in New York. And I don't know if it's going to venture outside of New York in the future. But so far, uh, it was actually pretty good, pretty interesting. Like I said, the the pilot was an hour and a half. So it's a little bit of a sit, but it, like, sets up the series pretty well. So I'm excited because every episode after that is a solid hour but so far i'm, I'm definitely interested it was i don't know i was just this kind of like just is something that i'm kind of uh what's the word i don't know it is something that i am definitely gonna get into and I don't not know, the witcher 
Not I like I'm more interested in Hunters than after the first episode of The Witcher because after the first episode of The Witcher, I was like, I'm not really in yet. But the first episode of Hunters, I'm like, yeah, I'm in. Let's go hunt some Nazi bastards. All right. Well, I also have a TV show I'd like to share with our audience here. I finally sat down and watched the first three episodes, or up to three now, of Lego Masters. Nice. That's also like an hour and a half, two hours. Hosted by the voice of Lego Batman himself, Will Arnett. And it's a lot of fun so far, Daniel. I mean, you being a fellow Lego lover, I think will really enjoy this. We're awfuls, Jordan. Adult fans of Lego. The official term. Yes. (laughs) I found that out by listening to a podcast this week. (laughs) But yes, oh my, it's so much fun. Like, so everybody's, it's in teams of two. Everybody's, you know, paired together. And these are people that knew each other. Like, you had to submit yourself. Like, it'd be you and I, like, hey, we're brothers, but they want to submit ourselves. So they don't, like, randomly put you together with somebody you don't ever, you've never met. There's some guys from Portland. Uh, They're just, yeah, I think they met through the Lego community, they said. So they're just friends that are, um, there there's um some couples like married couples that are there um just other people that just like the two gals that are there as far as another friends but they met i think in the world of uh cosplay oh nice but yeah it's just everybody knows each other you know they all know each other there's a, there is a pair of brothers there's a father son it, it's just so cool to watch all these teams are like but each week is something totally different like mm-hmm. in week one um they had to there was this like monorail going through all these tables. They had to pull their section table out and build a theme park around that part of the monorail. Oh, cool! And put it all back together as one thing, one town, one amusement park. Right. And like episode two, they had a challenge where space is the theme, and you're gonna randomly get one of three things. Your project is either gonna be dropped, or it's gonna be hit with a bat, or exploded from the inside. You know, you gotta make it look cool, and it's gotta be cool and have a story, and then. Really cool. This last week, they gave them all an object. Like these objects are cut in half. Everything from a guitar to a fire hydrant to a telescope. Mm-hmm. And with all these objects cut in half, you need to create the other half, but have a story for it. Oh. Anyway, so there it is a process of elimination. Like there will be each week. Like not not necessarily on episode one, but each week following that, episode two and three and beyond, there is eliminations. Okay. So yeah, we will be cracking down as the weeks go on, but oh, it, so far it's so much fun to watch. I know we're like this is like third series too because I think it started in the UK, and then like I think New Zealand or some other country got their own version of Lego Masters, and then we got Lego Masters in the US. So I'm like, I didn't even know this was a thing in the UK until I just like was looking it up after I saw the commercial for it. I'm like, oh, fuck yes, yeah. finally a reality show. For me, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, no, I, don't... I, I really think you'll have fun watching this, Daniel. And I'm looking forward to hearing your feedback on it down in the future. But yeah, Will Arnett, great host. He's a lot of fun. They bring in two actual Lego Master people that have helped design like Lego sets. Like one gentleman, they bring in design things like um, the Sydney Opera House. The Opera House. He yeah. helped design that. He helped design the uh, London Bridge set. Uh, nice. Another gal, she works in the Friends uh, area for all the, the Friends series. Yeah. Okay. So I had actually was listening. I just want real quick. I was listening to a podcast, an interview with one of the people on Lego Masters, who is like obviously like a huge Lego enthusiast. But he was telling me about a person or like. I don't remember if it was like officially from Lego or I think it was a fan build, but they have a life-size someone has a life-size built replica of Central Perk from Friends. Like life-size. Jesus. 
Yeah. And I'm like, that's fucking crazy. And I can't even get my idea off the ground. <laughs> hush, hush. Hush, hush. But yeah, no, I'm really excited to watch this. <laughs> I mean, like, I, I've been like, especially my favorite podcast did a two-parters on Lego. Which I can't find. I, pro- I pulled it up. That's all the episodes I can access. What's up Oh, they went exclusive on Spotify. So you can only listen to them on Spotify. Oh, okay. That yeah. happened like on Valentine's Day. Okay, well, that <laughs> explains it then. Because I went on my app and I'm like, well, what the hell? I only got access to two episodes. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, so it's up. been great. Two two Lego episodes, and then a bonus episode with an interview from one of the Lego masters. I'm just like, yes, I'm ready to watch this show. Yeah, now get into the show. I, I'd love to talk to you about it later. And just because I'm not gonna be able to mention squeeze it anywhere else, um, technically this is not movie news still. But the Lego minifigure creator died. They announced Lego announced his death on Monday. Oh really? Yeah. Jens. No, oh god. Yeah, they're. From Denmark, so it was Jens Nygaard Nunsen. <laughs> he died at seventy six or seventy eight. Damn. Damn, creator of the minifig. I just figured so I'd slide crazy. that in. Well, thank you. No, oh, man. Yeah. I know, I'm looking at our collection here. I mean, on our in our studio, we've got some Star Wars Lego sitting in front of us. We've got Central Perk built with all the friend characters sitting here. It's awesome. And wow. hell yeah, so much fun. What else did you see this week, Daniel? And so the other thing I saw this week, saw this week was, um, so Sunday, uh, my girlfriend and I told her aunt and uncle that we would just come over and have dinner with them. So we went over a little early and we were hanging out. And while dinner was like in the oven and a movie came on that her aunt just loves. And so we sat down and watched it all on TV and it was kindergarten cop. <laughs> oh man and i'm just like i haven't seen this i've only seen the movie once but you know we were just it was just something that i wasn't expecting to watch didn't plan on watching it didn't think we were gonna sit down and watch the entire thing but we did we sat down and watched the entire thing and then dinner was right i haven't seen that movie in like 20 plus years it's been forever it's been at least it's been a good amount for me but it was a lot of fun it was hilarious to see arnold schwarzenegger in like a little like a family comedy her. my dad's a gynecologist he looks at vaginas all day that is literally what i said to her aunt because she's like have you seen this i'm like i've seen it but the only thing i remember is the kid about the vaginas and then boys <laughs> have penises girls have vaginas exactly so i'm just like i don't know it was just like kind of like a weird I saw the movie and i was like 10 i'm like oh i gotta take note take note like oh really <laughs> really interesting that's what they call it my mom always called it something else for girl parts yeah, so I just thought that was hilarious. We watched it. We had a good time. Like, it's just a fun movie to watch. It's that, definitely weird. That would be fun to see. But yeah, I just thought I'd mention it because I watched the entire thing. So, why not? All right. Well, I didn't watch as, mo- as many movies this week as I did last week. But uh, Thank God. Yeah, I still watched Dr. No and From Russia With Love before I went and saw cause Goldfinger in theaters, which was awesome. Just kind of plays into our Bond theme that we're talking today. However, I did sit down and watch a new doc. So we've talked. You've heard Daniel and I talk about this uh, the last few months. We saw we love the Twenty Four Hour War, which you know Ford v Ferrari, as well as Shelby American. Daniel talked about that a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Well, same company, Chastity, same producers brought us a new one that's on Netflix called Uppity, the Willie T. Ribs story. Oh yeah, you've been telling me about that. I sat down and watched that the other day, and I got to say, awesome documentary, Daniel. Great story. Willie T. himself 
tells the story all throughout the whole movie. So he's just like sitting there, you know, in a, in a chair in a studio somewhere and just telling us the whole story as we get to see all these flashbacks and footage from back in the day. And it, it's just awesome to see, you know, he just seemed like such a cool guy. I, I loved it. But like, I mean, we, we see great racing legends like Paul Newman in this documentary. Mm-hmm. Bruce Jenner, who I didn't have any idea he used to do race car driving. I knew he did Olympics, but I kind of thought he went from Olympics to, I don't know, just like speaking at companies, like Fortune 500 companies, like motivational speaking kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I had no idea he did racing. Oh, I but didn't there's, know that. There's footage of him doing racing and some interviews with him. Um, it's it's uh, ah, so good. Where's it at? It's on Netflix. It is on Netflix. It is on Netflix. Yeah, so it's streaming on Netflix with the other two. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just really cool to hear this guy tell a story because what makes him unique is he was the first black guy to uh, be a part of the Daytona 500. Okay. So yeah, he broke down some barriers, just things that never been done before. And it's just, it was cool to see him too. Like he had this, I forget, forgive me, I forgot his name, but this gentleman racing that he admired a lot when he was a kid and got to meet him later in life when he was winning races all over the place. Okay. Uppity the Willie, Willie T. Rib story. Yes. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Put that on your list and check it out. I am. Cause like I said, like I, I was the one I, cause I had heard about the 24 hour war. I think we had talked about it, but you hadn't watched it. Then I saw it was on. Amazon or something, and just like, and I was enamored with it. I'm like, I don't care about racing, I don't care about cars, but I'm like, but neat, like little niche histories, like I really can get into. And this was perfect. So then we watched, I watched Shelby. So I'm like, okay, I'm excited to watch this because, like, especially check, from check the same out. people, same people. And a little bonus here, I haven't watched it yet, but the Paul Newman, it's called Winning the Paul Newman Story, is officially been added to Amazon Prime now. Okay, so that's available as well. Sweet. But yeah, yeah, check it out. I mean, it's cool. What what a cool way to end Black History Month too, than to see the Willie T. Ribs story. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point. I don't know. I will definitely check that out because I've de- like I said, I've seen I've seen Twenty Four Hour War, I've seen Shelby American, which are two sides to the same coin. So I'm kind of interested, at, like where this all fits into, like, because I'm sure there's like something that overlaps with one of these. Tiny stories. bit more, just like Paul Newman and things. Um, but okay. yeah, his story takes place mostly in the '80s. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's I'm just, excited. It was just cool to watch. Same people. Oh, same people. I'm assuming it's going to be a quality doc then. Yes, Sweet. definitely. But yeah, check it out. All Uppity, right. the Willie T. Rib story. Sweet. All right, Daniel. That's all I got for uh, other stuff here. Why don't we move on and talk some James Bond? You know my name. It's Daniel, isn't it? It's yeah, that's it. But I was talking about James <laughs> Bond. All right. Are you ready, Daniel? I am ready. I don't have any more beer in case we run out. Yeah. Gotta drink this slow. Gotta drink it slow. I'm already halfway done. We got two movies to talk about. That's ready here. I'm just gonna say right now. So my approach to because we talked about there wasn't really anything that caught our eye. There wasn't. It was kind of like a dead week for movie releases. Unless we're so, gonna go see another dog movie. Yeah, didn't really care about Call of the Wild. CGI dog movie. Yeah, exactly. Call of the Wild didn't catch my interest at all, especially seeing all the bad CGI animals. I'm like, not interested in sitting through that. But since we, there's four Daniel Craig movies before his fifth and final one coming out in April, we just decided to pull the trigger because it's going to be here before we know it. We might as well just commit to at least watching, start watching them now or else we're going to run out of time. So we 
we talked about it last week when we decided on Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, which are the first two. And so my kind of like approach to this was I, I've seen Quantum of Solace, or not Quantum of Solace, I've seen uh, Casino Royale tons of times. Like it's probably one of the best Bond movies in my opinion. It's a great, it's a great one. So, you know, I actually turned it on while I was doing other stuff because I had seen it so much, but you know, refresh, still good. And it's still a great movie. What's kind of your history with the franchise? Oh, well, my history, I don't really, like, I kind of have a history. Like, we just had been watching them sporadically, like, when I was growing up. Like, you know, our dad liked James Bond. He had a few of them. He probably had, like, at least six to ten. Like, not all of them, but he had a a select few. I still, my Thunderball is one of my favorite, like, Bond films. I don't know why I like that one so much, but that one's one of my favorites. It's a really good one. I think you got the point. Yeah. See, I just, and yeah, like the fun, witty, like kind of, you know, very movie banter, but still very fun. So it's just like something that's always been around. Well, I've never, I know for a fact, I haven't seen every single James Bond movie, but I can't tell you which ones I haven't seen, but we own all of them. So we really just need to start going through. <laughs> well, you actually have. So yeah, yeah. I've seen every single one. Except for the uh, 1967 Casino Royale. The TV version? TV version, yes. With, uh, who was in that? Woody Allen. Oh, God. Uh, Susan Cain. What can't think of Orson Welles. He plays the Sheaf. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, I'm, just, I'm trying to blame some big names. There's one or two other really big names in that one. Well, I don't know. Like I said, like not much like a defined history. Like It's just a movie that, you know, movies I've watched. I haven't seen all of them. I know that. You know, oh, right. always fun movies, you know, just good, fun action movies that like just have like the perfect amount of cheese that just makes them great. <laughs> and, you know, and being as like as I was getting older, like probably around, you know, watching James Bond movies as a teenager. The last one I before Daniel Craig took over was, I think, what? No Time to Die. Or Diamonds Aren't Forever. Die Another Day. Or Die Another Day. That was the last Pierce. Was that the one with Halle Berry? Yeah. Okay, so it is Die Another Day. And at that point, we get a fever picture of James Bond being fucking ridiculous. He has an invisible car. He's fighting some guy who has a laser. Doesn't he surf or windsurf in that one? He windsurfs against the heat of a laser that some guy made out of diamonds. Shit ton of CGI. So much CGI. So we get like the fever pitch of over-the-top James Bond spy action that just kind of like cartoonified the character. And so then we get, I'm like, okay, well, Pierce Brosnan's out. Daniel Craig, new James Bond. New movie coming out 2010? Or no, that was like 2008. 2006. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that part. So I guess, let me, let me tell you my history with the franchise. Yeah. So growing up, you know, our parents didn't necessarily forbid James Bond from being in the house or anything like that. Or, you know, they just never talked about James Bond at all, basically. Right. My earliest recollection of Bond was in early junior high our parents went out to europe for two weeks so i was yeah i don't know 12 going on 13 mm-hmm. we stayed with our grandparents for those weeks and i just remember this conversation with my grandparents i don't even know what led up to it but i'm having this conversation with my grandparents and i think it was my grandma's like oh jordan would love james bond movies and you know i'm not knowing what bond is i'm like i asked him you know i just asked like what is it like and they're like, oh, well, he's a special agent that works for the British Secret Service, has all these cool gadgets, drives fancy cars. And I'm thinking like, oh, my gosh, that sounds cool. You know, I'm 12. I'm like, 
Sweet. That sounds awesome. Well, let's go to the library or Blockbuster and let's go rent some Bond movies. Oh, Blockbuster. And then our grandma said this. She goes, well, they're fun movies and all. They have a lot of S-E-X in them. So she just hyped up a 12-year-old like, you would love these movies. Can we watch them? No. Yeah, no. All I remember is thinking like, well, then why the hell are you getting me all excited for all this? Yeah, why? Yeah, like, why? Why are you telling me I'm going to love these and just be like, shoot me down like that? Between you and me. She knew what she was doing. She's just being grandma. She's just baiting you. The yeah. old bait and switch. Yep. <laughs> so, fast forward a year and a half later, though, and our dad uh, took me to go see Tomorrow Never Dies, nice. which was the second Pierce Brosnan Bond film. The guy that was allergic to Pepper from Mrs. Doubtfire is now saving the world. <laughs> but anyway, yes, Tomorrow Never Dies was the first my first intro to the character and this world. Uh, I later go back and watch Goldeneye just in time for 1999's The World Is Not Enough. Fast forward to 2001, and that's when I decided to get a list off the internet of all the Bond movies, and mm-hmm. I started going to the library, and I just watched them one after another, all in chronological order, starting with the you know 1962's Dr. No, and just, yeah, watched them all in order, just watched the whole evolution of James Bond. So by the time Die Another Day came out in 2002, I seen them all and I was ready to go. And by then I was obviously big fan. You know, I continued watching them all. A big fan right. of the franchise, big fan of the character, and couldn't wait for some more. And needs to say, like we talked about, a little let down by that 2002 movie. A lot of cheese, a lot of CGI. Yeah. The original gentleman that played Q throughout all the movies had died, and John Cleese took his role as Q, right? Which was fine, but it's just when you followed it, it for one, so long, it's still something hard to get over. Yeah, it was just one of those things. Still, because there's very few perpetual characters in James Bond movies besides M and Q. Well, and like same guy played M for quite a while, then somebody else, and yeah. somebody else. Same with Money Penny. But Q was all through it. the same actor through all the movies. Yeah. So obviously let down by that movie, and I think you know just in pe- in general the public was let down too. We're like, okay, well this has gotten pretty stale. This has gotten really cheesy. I mean, there were some parts that were great. I mean, Halle Berry's Jinx character was awesome in that movie, but other than that, like this whole movie was just meh. Yeah. So meh. It was the fever. It's like the antithesis of like what went wrong with james bond and he's just like it got too gadget heavy so obviously if you're the studio you're like oh, shoot what are we gonna do now initially they still wanted to get pierce brosnan back mm-hmm. and his agent talked him into asking for 30 million to do another movie damn yeah but if eventually they were like no you know what we just need to scrap this and we just need to do something else because we can't let the franchise go on like this right like it just feels one it just feels too formulaic it's kind yeah. of like some some Marvel movies, there's too much to the formula they stick to. Right. And you kind of want to see something else, something different. The, the studio wanted to go a different direction. And uh, I guess let's just, we'll get into some of the history of it, what led up to the release of it. Then we'll just talk about our first reactions of Casino Royale okay. and our thoughts on it. But yeah, I mean, you've got a, you got a franchise that's been around for decades, starting to get some pretty staleness. Because like, out of the Paris Rosalind ones, Goldeneye was great. Tomorrow Never Dies, eh. World's Not Enough was pretty good overall, I'd say. Mm-hmm. And then I just thought Die Another Day was just a dud. Just no. Yeah. And so, and I, I think a lot of audiences felt that, and the studio 
realized that, so like we got to go a different direction. Right. And Brosnan was asking for too much, and I think this kind of like, well, you're asking, you're asking for a lot, and we just kind of want to do a soft reboot of any kind, so no. Yeah. So they went a different direction, and lo and behold, they went back to the books, literally, and got Ian Fleming's first book, which had never been adapted other than that spoof movie, Right. and decided to come out with, like, hey, well, you know what, let's adapt Casino Royale. We'll kind of have it as like a James Bond origin film. We'll get a new, fresh actor in here, and let's do this. Right. Which, um... One of the great things, they brought back director Martin Campbell, who did GoldenEye. Okay. Who, he kind of refreshed GoldenEye, too, cause for a new generation. Because the last movie that came out before that, there was, I think that was the biggest gap year between Bond movies was, I think Dalton's last one was 87 or 88. So it had been a seven or eight year gap between that and 1995's GoldenEye. Okay. So almost a full decade, which, again, biggest gap between any Bond movie to come out. And, you know, this this guy is... Pretty good. I mean, he's he's behind Goldeneye, The Mask, and The Legend of Zorro movies. <laughs> Unfortunately, he is behind a little movie called uh, Green Lantern, no. which I would say is more about a bad script than anything else. Probably. But yeah, he so he gave, he, you know, after being dead for a while, he brought Bond back with Pierce Brosnan for kind of a new generation, if you will, mm-hmm. with Goldeneye, which, you know, I haven't watched in a while, but I remember it being really fun. Right. So, yeah, they bring him back to do Casino Royale, and I think I read somewhere he didn't really want to do another Bond movie, but at the time, he had nothing going on. He was like, fuck it, I'll do it. Okay. Which I'm glad he did, because, man, I don't know, whoever you got for a cinematographer and uh, set designer, great. Because I got to tell you, Daniel, I love this movie. Casino Royale? Yes. Oh, at yeah. first, I was kind of like, I don't know, and, you know, they announced at that time, you know, I'd been, like, following, like, movie sites, you know, like, comingsoon.net, things like that. Surprisingly, not a porn site. Yeah, no. <laughs> but yeah, I, I started that back in the day when like Spider-Man was going to be made into a movie and things like that, sites that would follow the production. Right. And I remember, yeah, just following the production of this and thinking like, all right, all right they're a new Bond guy, fine, that's whatever. I love Pierce Brosnan, you know, at the time. But yeah, fine, I guess I'm ready for someone new. We'll see. Then they announced Daniel Craig, and I'm like, who the hell is Daniel Craig? Like a lot of people were thinking. So... Yeah, I went back and uh, found a movie in 2004 called Layer Cake, and I'm like, well, this was his last film. Let's see what Daniel Craig's all about. So I watched Layer Cake, and I just remember thinking to myself by the end of it, like, you know what? Damn. I, I could see this guy being Bond. If this movie's like an audition tape, I could definitely see this guy being Bond. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give it a chance. And sure enough, was not disappointed. After that, too, after I accepted, you know, all right, this guy's going to be Bond, cool. All the stuff leading up to it. All the commercials, all the trailers, everything just looked great, and I couldn't wait to see this movie. Right. And yeah, I remember, yeah, going to sit in the theaters November, the weekend of November seventeenth, two thousand six, and for the most part, being blown away. Yeah. Not only do you have like great story, great action, you got on foot action. You've got, um, yeah, there's a few car chase scenes, nothing too big in this one, but right. Still, you just what a great story with, um, you know, we got great. Great bad guys, betrayal, everything. Yeah, you got... Craig acts his ass off in this. He does. And then you get also the refresh of the Bond character as just a stripped down, very minimal gadget. Like, yeah, he's got... I think like the most gadgety thing he gets is he gets his classic Aston Martin. But it's not like, oh, like little, you know, not outfitted with like complete gibberish. It's literally got like a button that slides out his gun with a silencer and an extra clip 
And he's got another one that slides out. Oh, it's a, and, and it's a modern Aston Martin. Yeah. So it's not like. Which I, I kind of, a lot of people were like, oh, Bond doesn't have gadgets. What's going on? But I, I love that. I, I honestly didn't mind a, a scale back, especially when we knew, you know, this is kind of the beginning. This is a fresh restart button. Right. We're going to be going forward in the future. He'll get gadgets. I felt like for the time being, like, I'm like, you know what? I, I, I'm fine with it because everything else was revolving around the movie. That's great. Yeah. And I, I particularly remember watch. Well, okay. First, we haven't even mentioned the Bond song for this movie. Chris Cornell, you know my name. Can I, well, can I add one more thing oh, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, so as far as the, the lack of gadgets go, that opening scene is great too. Cause you, you have a flashback of him becoming Bond and there's a flashback within the flashback, which just show you as Daniel Craig's Bond being a total like brutal baller. Yeah. Or it's not baller, brawler. <laughs> there yeah. we go. Anyway. So, you know, between him having a, you know, a decent muscle mass to him and being a, being able to just fist fight really right. well, oh not, yeah, the and not scene. not in a cheesy yeah, sense. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, that just established that you know, we don't need gadgets and things like that because this Bond is well, especially after that opening chase scene too, which we'll get into on foot. Mm-hmm. Just showed us that like, okay, this Bond can doesn't t- need a self driving car. He doesn't need like trackers. He doesn't because he is a sophisticated agent. Exactly. So yeah, why don't we? Yeah, what I love about this this I mean, you start off with this great you know black and white logo. You start out with this flashback, and then there's this flashback within a flashback. But yeah, you get to know his bond a little bit, like just everything between the dialogue between him and that gentleman sitting at his desk. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, we see the classic gun barrel scene where he, you know shoots down the gun barrel, and for the first time we see color, which is blood coming down the screen, and that's when it gets us into the open credit sequence which introduces that awesome chris cornell song which yes. all right take it away <laughs> which rest in peace chris cornell yes but yeah i remember specifically like one great intro with like the the cards and like everything like it's an amazing intro sequence paired with an amazing song i specifically remember great call back to the 60s so it's got like a modern feel with the song i would say but then yeah. but a great call back to the 60s with the just everything with the cards happening which yeah, and it's a great, I don't know, it's a great intro, great song, and I specifically remember watching the music video for the movie with the Chris Cornell song, like, over and over and over again before the movie came out, but, like, I love that song. It's probably still, like, as far as the Daniel Craig ones, it's still probably at the top for me. While I haven't seen all of them, I think I've heard every single one of the songs, but... Yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, I gotta say, as far as the songs go, Chris Cornell, Adele, Tina Turner, and probably Duran Duran are my top ones. Okay. I mean, I do love some of the classic ones. If you want to go back to sixties and seventies, all of them are pretty good for the most part. But uh, those are the four that really stand out to me. Right. But Chris Cornell, Adele, and Tina Turner specifically, her Golden Eye song. I, I mean, I just love that song. Nice. Yeah. Those are probably my top three for sure. I think Goldfinger is the one that always. I, when you think when I think of a Bond theme song, I always think of Goldfinger. Yeah, see, Dad ruined that from me singing it. I'm like, oh no, stop, just stop, just stop, just stop. You don't sound like them at all. Yeah, <laughs> but no. So we get like an amazing song, great, and I just and frankly, I just like rewatching this. I love the stripped down. Like it's very, like you said, like it's not over the top. It's very, like to the point, which is the James Bond that we get from Daniel Craig. It's very to the point. He's very like ruthlessly efficient <laughs> um 
And I just and, like, I mean, he's learning too as he goes. I mean, he's just getting started. He's learning as he goes, and it's just fun to be along for the ride. Yeah, this. Yeah, I know. I guess that's true because it is like after that flashback, they show them typing in his double O, his double O status. Yeah. And no, it's so great, and I love some of the characters. Like Lashif was a great villain, like not over the top, very like grounded villain. And then you get um. I like the I like Felix the CIA agent played by Jeffrey Wright yeah yes um are you thinking of uh Demetrius Alex Demetrius the guy that who bets his ass in Martin are you thinking of that guy because there's Mr. White um Lashif uh Demetrius are probably the main baddies in this yeah of course you got Vesper played by the lovely Eva Green yeah I know the cast is great. The cast in this is perfect. And it's just like how this movie moves from scene to scene to scene. Like it works. Like there's tons of great action while still feeling very grounded in reality, which is not an easy thing to do. Ask Michael Bay. He has no idea how to do it. Right. Well, let's, so let's talk about that great opening sequence in Madagascar. So you got Bond on foot chasing this guy. And just the whole sequence is just amazing to me. Mm-hmm. As far as just on foot, everything. I mean, you're like out of breath just watching it. Yeah. Because you're just like, oh my gosh, how does it keep going and going and going? I mean, adrenaline. But everything is practical. Whether it's Stuntman or Craig himself, everything is practical effects. Right. Jumping from crane to crane, from crane back to the rooftop. Which is awesome. All practical. Maybe a little wire work taken out with CGI, but it's not a CGI person in jumping. Right. It's just... Yeah, and insane, but oh, yeah. so amazing at the same time. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. There's so much good stuff. Like that scene's great. Like especially when they're in the construction area, and just running around and slide. Like when he's sliding from floor to floor. Well, and what's too crazy too is so that guy. I'm trying to think of the guy's name. Um, he actually invented the sport running. What they, they call it? Free running. Free running. Yes, he invented that sport basically. Oh, really? And yeah, so he's never acted in his life, but he gets to play this character, and it's just fun to watch him. I mean, obviously he's got more running and jumping experience than Bond. I mean, which goes what I love about this too, though, it shows Bond his limitations. Like he can't make the same jumps as well as him, and he, you know, falls on, and almost falls off cranes and stuff, and but hits he, the ground harder. But he improvises. But like when he when he jumps like through that hole over the wall, mm-hmm. and then. Craig comes busting through the drywall. Yes. <laughs> Again, just shows that Bond has limitations. <laughs> yeah. And it's, but it's so great. What a cool scene to open up with, I thought. Oh, I know that. Yeah, no, that's a great scene. And, oh, man. Yeah, no. Uh, what I'm trying to say. Well, whatever. I don't know. I'm just like I said, like, it's very cool chasing. Like, yeah, you feel out of breath. You watch him chase this guy down. And I just love how that whole intro ends with, he, he, what, goes to... He, he goes to an embassy or something. Well, yeah, he goes to an embassy. Again, we see more good hand-to-hand combat with uh, Daniel Craig's Bond. Right. Cool intro to his Bond. I mean, what were you going? Were you going somewhere with that? Sorry. No, not really. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Just uh, what are some other things you love about this movie? I mean, there's just so well, much to like. What I was gonna say is like the. Then I think it's the next action scene that really is one of the ones that stands out the most to me was when they're at the airport he that's when he's tracking demetrius or 
No, um, so he'd killed Demetrius by this time. Which, by the way, this whole episode is all spoilers, in case you haven't seen these movies. Yeah, you should pause now and go watch them. <laughs> but yes, he right. has killed Demetrius by this time. Right, so we're, but leaves like, him sitting in that chair, but now he's after this guy that's been hired to go blow up the plane. Yes, that's what it, okay, so, but yeah, like, I love that, like, again, fight scene, you get them, like, fighting in the truck, and, because the whole thing is he's trying to blow up a plane to tank the stock prices. Yep. One of, one of my favorite shots of that, too, is when he runs on the top of the truck, grabs the front, and basically does a flip around and comes in through the windshield. Yes. Such a great moment. But uh, what, a, what a cool scene. Oh, I, I mean, And this is kind of a scene, too, that, like, is almost like a climactic scene in a lot of movies. And this is taking place right here in the middle. Yeah, I guess that was like, even like in the first. I think end of the first act is when the scene takes place. Yeah, I'm like it does. The, it takes place early because he's not even at Casino Royale. He's still getting the intel for it. Yeah. So, which yeah, it's super climactic, and I just love how it shows like how kind of crafty and like smart he is, and he's just like oh, like you know, the police arrest him, <laughs> <laughs> and he's trying to stop a terrorist attack, and then. You know, he tries to blow up the plane. That's one of my favorite parts of that guy sitting there with his phone. And all of a sudden he hears the beeping. Like, huh? What? What? Oh, shit! Boom! Just blows himself up. Awesome. So great. No, I know. That and, like, the hallway fight scene at the casino are, like, my two favorite action pieces in the movie. Yeah. No, I I love that. That's another great scene. We'll get to that one here in a little bit. Uh, I'm trying to think here. I got a lot of notes here. I mean, cinematography in this movie and editing, both great, I Mm -hmm. think. I mean, this is just a well-crafted film. I love everything at that hotel. Like, when he pulls in, the guy gives him his keys, thinking he's a valet. Right. And so he goes and parts his car and then backs it in, setting off all the car alarms. I do I do love that part, though, where he goes and beats um, Demetrius at the card game. And then, you know, the guy's put his ass Martin on the line. Yeah. I just love, too, uh, that guy's a complete jerk-off to his girlfriend. <laughs> and you're just like, wow. I mean, that really shows his character, because he's just like, Oh yeah, she comes in. She's like, "You're late." Like if he's like, "If that was for luck, you're a little late." Oh yeah, that's because she, what she it comes is. in and kisses him like on the side of the cheek or something. He's like, "If that was for luck, you're a little late." Yeah, he's a very sore loser. And you're just like, <laughs> "Wow, what a douche." Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he loses his ass, Martin. That's when we get to see Don for the fr- or Don. That's when we get to see Bond for the first time, although briefly get behind the wheel of a classic 60s Aston Martin. Which is uh, such a fun way to do the throwback to the original Bond films, as you or like, you know, older Bond films, is with like that classic looking Aston Martin before he gets upgraded to a new Aston to Martin. A, to a modern, yeah. Yeah. Awesome scene, too. You know, when he, you know, takes Demetrius' wife back to his place. And what I like about this too is, uh, you know, I think you think he's gonna sleep with her, and he doesn't. At this point, you know, Bond's getting started. This whole movie kind of shows that he has a little more monogamy to himself mm-hmm. than what we've seen in the past. But also, what kind of leads him later on, as we'll talk about, to maybe not be so monogamous because he just doesn't know who to trust anymore. When once he gets betrayed by a girl, he really falls for. Right. Well, I ne- <laughs> I never actually thought about that. But I guess that makes sense. Uh, I don't know. What are what are some of your favorite scenes in this movie? I mean, there's so much to talk about with well, Casino like I said, Royale. Yeah, I know. Like we're kind of all over the place. But like I said, favorite scenes are definitely like the uh, that intro scene, the scene at the airport when he's fighting the guy to stop him from blowing up the plane, and then that hallway fight scene um, where he's just beating the shit out of those guys and eventually kills I think two. 
two maybe of them. three of them. There was only two. There's yeah. two. They shoves them in a closet, and they just tells the uh, Vesper like, "Go get Mathis. Tell him. Tell, tell him where these guys tell are. Him tell them where the bodies are. Out. Yeah, they'll figure it out. Yeah. So I do love like those are my favorite like fight scenes in the movie. But also, oh, I'm trying to think of what else. And also, I guess the scene where he's having a heart attack after he gets poisoned is also very good. It's a lot of, there's so much tension in That's that That's a great scene. Well, well, well edited and everything. Because, yeah, there's a lot of tension in that scene. And you're, like, even though, you know, like, Bond's not going to die, per se, you're still like, almost thinking it right there in that moment. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying, like. You know Bond, James Bond is not going to die. But at the same time, they, you forget about that aspect in the in the thralls of the scene. So I do love that one as well. I'm trying to think of some of my favorite scenes. Like you mentioned, the opening like on foot chase scene, which I read somewhere that took six weeks to film. I could I could see it. Which yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, six weeks to film that scene. Uh, I do love the airport scene quite a bit. I, I love everything from when he's like hanging on to the top, like when they blow through like the uh, baggage vehicle and just things flying everywhere. Well, even the they go through a bus for Christ's sake. Yeah, imagine the pedestrian. <laughs> imagine like just being a civilian in that sort of scenario. It's like, what do you mean you lost our luggage? Well, we didn't lose it. It blew up. Yeah, your luggage is all it's, over it's the gone. tarmac. But it's here's gone. a here's a twenty dollar voucher. Yeah, thanks. You want a, <laughs> want a free flight from us? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we can't replace your stuff. Uh, one of my favorite scenes though is when uh, is the train scene where Bond and Vesper first meet. And their first interactions oh, yeah. is a great moment, I, I think. That is a great moment. Especially when we, the audience, don't know anything about Vesper yet and what she's going to do later. Right. Which, yeah, watching it, knowing what she's going to do later, you're just like, oh, man. No. It's still a gr- great conversation, though, between them. Great, great scene. Great moments. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to think here. That, but, yeah, that is definitely one of my favorite scenes. Just everything about the Vesper char- character. Um I did have a video clip I was going to share that kind of sums up a lot of how I feel about this movie. I got it queued up. Um, let's see. What were we talking about? You were talking about how this video summed up your feelings on the movie. It kind of does. I'm trying to think if there's anything else to talk about before that, though. Like, I mean, let's talk about let's talk a little bit of Bond and Vesper. Bitches, am I right? No. <laughs> no, I just like, yeah, you see him get invested in the character because, you know, before that, you just see Bond is like the suave, like, I have sex with at least two women in each movie <laughs> because he's James Bond and that's what you expect. But since this is an origin film, like, essentially, like the beginning of Bond, you know, you get like someone he actually deeply cares for and not just trying to, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, and I took it that, that he did fall for her pretty good i mean yeah. i think she matched his wit really well mm-hmm. so he was just like oh you know what you kind of i don't know like they pass the test I, they I, understand I, we have other. an understanding i like you and they have some great moments too like uh when he says this is the dress you're gonna wear you know tonight and when you come downstairs you know kiss me on the side of the cheeks or neck so everybody's watching and then like when he brings in the suit like did you pick this out he's like yeah he's like it's it 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 it's tailored. It's like, yeah, sized you up. Yeah, which is <laughs> it, great. good moments like that that they have. Um, but yeah, I, I do love watching both of them. I thought Eva Green just killed it in this role. And I, yeah. this is the first thing I ever saw her in. I've ne- had never seen her before in any movie. Right. Yeah, but yeah, she's got some great moments. Um, one moment I love is that after you know the hallway scene, 
he finds her later on just in the shower, still in her dress, just weeping. I thought that's a great moment when he sits down next to her. So th- I, some, this is somewhere I read is uh, for that scene, like it was originally written that she was supposed to be sitting in her underwear when he walked in there. Mm-hmm. But Craig himself said, you know what? Now after, after what she's seen, it makes more sense that she would just still be in her dress. Right. Which I think I like that better because in the, in that moment of what she's seeing and feeling, I, I really do. I mean, watching people get killed right in front of her. I really do think that like, who cares about the dress at this moment? Like she's just, yeah, it, she's, it has more impact because she's a part of MI6, right? But she's it, not like an agent. Well, because the only reason she'd be in her underwear is to keep it PG 13, otherwise, she would just be completely naked. So, right. for her to be fully in her gown still sitting in the shower just makes more sense to me. Yeah, no, and it does. So, that was a really good, you know, change that they made from script to screen, I right. thought. Um, but you know, like after everything is said and done, when uh, you know, like. When they're at his wherever he's recovering, mm-hmm. and they're having that conversation, and you know when she realizes that her name is the password, it's kind of the moment where she realizes like, oh my gosh, I really am important to this guy. Yeah. Which you know at, at the time as the audience is like, we think she feels the same, probably at the same level as him for the yeah. most part, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that was a good moment there. I thought when she you know he. The password's me, and she just—they, they have their moment. They're gonna like run off together, right. even though she knows they can never end up together. I don't know. I'm trying to think here, I got a lot of notes still, a lot of uh, trivia stuff. Um, I don't know what else you want to talk about. I know it's pretty much it for me. Like I kind of, I'm out. Cause, cause I had this guy anyway. I had this guy uh, in this video kind of sum up a lot of good feelings. I think about this. See if you agree with some of this. I apologize. It's maybe two minutes long. But it's good stuff. Ready? You've learned your lesson. We thought the opening black and white was the Bond origin we'd never seen before. But little did we know that all of Casino Royale was the actual origin. Never trusting, never opening up, no more getting close. He went from in love to betrayed to lost love in like 24 hours. Trail's gone cold. Hi, I'm Bond, James Bond. Have we met? Who is this? (laughs) Finally, a happy ending. Prepare to spend two years in a trunk. The name's Bond. James Bond. Yep. See what I mean about the origin thing? Somehow they made it not only okay, but also cool for Bond to be holding a rifle rather than a P99 or a PPK. I'm going to pause right there. I got to say, I love that ending shot. Because, yeah, he never says that line that we hear in all the movies, Bond, James Bond, till then, at the very end. And I got to say, sitting there in the audience back in 2006... Yeah, at first we're kind of skeptical, eh, new Bond guy, whatever. Yeah. By the time he delivers that line, though, I'm fully sitting in there in the it's fe- my theater seat, and I'm convinced, like, okay, this guy is James Bond. Yeah. And that shot, yeah, it is cool to see that shot of him holding the rifle. All right, continue this. Ask good guy. Casino Royale is about James Bond, obviously, right? But no, Bond films have often been more about the villain. We get there in this series, but Casino Royale is Bond's film. I mean, we don't even get the full Bond score until he says his name. We get to know Beta Bond 1.0. Everything Vesper says about him is true. He's reckless. He lets his ego get in the way. I mean, if it weren't for Yankee Doodle Felix, Bond would have killed Le Chiffre out of spite. We see the formation of his character and we learn why he is the way he is. Whether we buy the love story or not, Bond believed it, which is ultimately a testament to Vesper's skill. Did she have feelings? Probably, but she knew there was no happily ever after for them, whether Bond won or lost the game. So after all is said and done, Bond has to live with the knowledge that he got tricked so severely he essentially turned his back on his life. That's bound to leave a mark. 
That's not even mentioning that Bond does something very unbond in Casino Royale, and it's a direct result of trusting slash mistrusting the wrong people. He loses. A Bond staple is that he's usually a few steps ahead and has a contingency, but he's done for when Lashif finally realizes Bond's not giving up the password. Mr. White and some dumb luck save Bond. Dumb luck that Vesper loved him enough or had enough compassion slash sympathy to bargain for his life. Again, he won't let this happen again. And then he loses again, hard, when he just can't get Vesper out in time. So a lot of Bond's origin for this reboot is breaking him down and showing him fail. It's definitely a different tone than a lot of the previous Bond films. Still, the entire movie has an old-world feel to it. It's shot on film. The stunts are primarily practical, high-class sets and locations. Crossfades uses scene transitions. Even the romantic lighting feels like a film out of time. Yet the entire franchise is updated right before our eyes. Even some of the most baked-in tropes are flipped. It's one of the main reasons Daniel Craig, who had no interest in playing Bond, agreed to sign on. And the entire cast is phenomenal. It's worth pointing out that Craig shut down the doubters with his performance. Regardless of how he feels about the role at this point, he revitalized the character. I talked about how Maz sealed his fate as a baddie with a few looks, but the dude has range. He can play bad guy, he can play good guy, he can play whatever you want to call him in Polar and Valhalla Rising. And then, Ava Green. I think we all fell in love with Vesper a little. I buy that Ava matches wits with James Bond. Making her the betrayer that launched a thousand one-night stands, yet you still sympathize with her? She was so good, her death is really the only reset I wish we could have. I honestly wouldn't change it. It offered finality to this origin. And really, how crazy is it that there is a minimum of three distinct acts to this movie, yet it's really only the beginning, only the first act of the larger story? So, so yeah, I gotta say, everything that guy just said... I completely agree with. He makes great points. Right. And who is that guy? YouTuber. <laughs> we should probably what's his, like what's the handle cuz I'm like he he made some great points. I shouldn't we shouldn't be using his stuff without letting Well, he can be found at Cinema Wins. Cinema Wins. Okay. Perfect. But yeah, he just put this video out actually a couple days ago, ironically. Oh, really? Awesome. Yes. It's called Everything Great About Casino Royale. Okay, on and cinema he, wins. He hits some great points in this, and I agree with everything he has to say. Again, as far as like Vesper, you like you almost wish you could undo that, but at the same time, it, I mean, it it helps cr- turn the character into what he is. Right, and if you brought her back, it would just cheapen the and, character. But, but yeah, I think what makes value. this Bond so relatable is you do see him lose big time. You see him lose big time, get betrayed multiple times in this movie. So yeah, no, that's great. That's he made some really great points. I'm glad you brought that up. So, but yeah, I thought everybody liked that. Um, I'm trying to think here. Uh, maybe we can end Casino Royale talk here with a little bit of trivia. Okay. So I've got a few here that we'll go get into. So Daniel Craig actually rejected the part of James Bond a year before, as he felt the franchise had settled into a standard formula. Right. But he changed his mind once he read the script, which. I can agree with them. I like watching the Pierce Brosnan ones. You're like, yeah. This is Especially just... that last one. You're just like, ooh, yikes. So, yeah. He had to gain 20 pounds of muscle for the role. Or he did gain 20 pounds of muscle for the role. Jesus. Uh, the scene where he rises out of the water in Speedos. Many crew members were out of camera range and, and out in boats trying to fend off paparazzi. <laughs> I'm trying to take photos of it. To prepare for the role, Daniel Craig read all of Ian Fleming's novels and talked with British secret uh, spy agencies who had served as advisors on Munich, which that'll that's Spielberg movie from 2005. Okay. So this is one of my favorites, and I love this part of the movie is the, um, the car barrel part 
with the Aston Martin flipping several times uh-huh. was actually uh, set a record for car flips. Yeah, which I always I thought that was that. pretty cool. But yeah, so they shot they shot that scene with three different Aston Martins, all valued at three hundred thousand dollars, and destroyed all of them to try and get that shot perfect. <laughs> oh man, that's crazy. Uh, this this was interesting. So I I never heard heard about this before. Daniel Craig lost two of his front teeth filming the fight scene in Prague, and yeah, his de- dentist had to be flown in from London to come <laughs> fix his teeth. <laughs> like, Jesus, like, like damn. I mean, that's that's uh, some Tom Cruise stunt shit right there. Yeah, that's you know breaking that's, your ankle. That's hardcore. Which that was one thing we didn't mention in our news is production on Mission Impossible Seven has been halted due to the possible coronavirus in Italy. Oh, man. That's crazy. Getting your front two teeth knocked out. That's awesome. Or not awesome. That's crazy. That's awesome. It's it's intense is what I meant. This is interesting. So Henry Cavill, who was 22 at the time, was considered to take his spot, Mm -hmm. take Pierce Brosnan's spawn, be the next Bond, but they decided he was just too young being 22. So we we, could have known who he was at an earlier time. Yeah. And... I thought this was just a funny quick one. First James Bond movie to feature rain. Really? <laughs> yeah. Which the only scene with rain I was trying to think was um when they show Mr. White and the Chief, um I forget what country they're in, but talking about Right, the right. They pull up beginning the beginning of the movie. And it's just super rainy. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Right. Okay. Interesting. But yeah, so some fun facts there. But yes, I overall I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. I mean, everything is great from the opening scene to Chris Cornell's song to just great action scenes, great story. Like this gentleman said in that video, the casting is phenomenal. Everybody is great in their roles. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, was I, was I surprised like everybody else to see um, Vesper portray him? Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. And we'll get a little, little more into her background and when we talk quantum of solace, but I was surprised like everybody else, like, holy crap. Like, cause we thought for sure that, um, Mathis had been the betrayer, but you know, turns out it wasn't. It was a uh, Vesper. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. Anything else you want to add to this as far as uh, Casino Royale goes? Nope. Any other scenes? Anything you didn't like about it? Nope. No, I, I gotta say overall, like if I had to grade this out, this is an A plus for me. This is a great movie. I saw this probably twice at least in theaters when it came out. Bought it immediately on DVD. And yeah, it's probably the most watched Bond movie for me. I think so. For and me too. Entertainment wise, I mean, from action to drama and everything, I get storytelling. I give this nine and a half out of ten for entertainment. Right. I mean, this, this movie is just great. It is. All right, Daniel. Let's take a quick break here, and we'll come back and talk some Quantum of Solace. Okay. We're back and we're gonna talk some Quantum of Solace. Daniel, your yeah. thoughts on Quantum of Solace. Okay, so this one, I've seen Casino Royale a bunch. Quantum of Solace, I only saw the one time in theaters. 
Right. And I remember like the, the stigma around Conan's Solace was like, Oh, it wasn't a very good bond movie. Like it wasn't a very good movie. So I was just like, yeah, like I was 14 when it came out. So I think my thoughts just conform to like, Oh, I guess it wasn't very good. Yeah. Well, those, those critics probably know what they're talking about. Whatever. I guess it wasn't very good. Now watching it for the first time since theaters, like this week, I'm like, Holy shit this is not a bad movie. Like it's still a pretty solid movie. Like it is not Casino Royale. Like it's not on that high echelon like Casino Royale is, but it is still a very comparable, very solid movie, much less a very solid James Bond movie. Like I actually like found something like this is actually really interesting, like interesting story. Like it kind of like builds to like a greater conspiracy. You know, it definitely feels like a middle movie. Like something that like if it was it doesn't really fit as just a standalone, you know. Like if you watch this, I feel like you might be a little lost because it yeah. takes place directly yeah, if after. You were, if, if you saw the this ending of if you saw this after Casino or if you saw this and had never seen Casino, you'd just be like, "What is yes, going on?" Especially here? Especially since it takes place directly after Casino Royale ends. Which I love that opening sequence. So you got a car chase going on. Yeah, and then. After all the cars going everywhere on the highway, flying out the highway, Bond pulls into this place, goes, opens the trunk, and you see Mr. White back there, and you're like, holy shit, somebody was back there that whole time? Yeah, I can't even imagine. <laughs> God. But uh, yeah, what a great sequence. But yeah, I think this one, I don't know, because it, it was a sequel per se, so it wasn't its own standalone, because like, like you said, it, it kind of felt like it, you know it's expanding the story, but you had to have seen Casino Royale first you to get the story. You need the first movie to watch this movie, and it have, it, you need it for it to make sense. I remember some criticism surrounding it was like, oh, it's kind of just James Bond going on a revenge trail. And I'm like, yeah. same, same time, I'm like, what's wrong with that? Yeah, he fucking, he's been hurt, man. He's been hurt real bad. Been betrayed, he's been hurt. But yeah, so this is not directed by the same guy that did that. This is actually directed by uh, Mark Forster, mm-hmm. which Mark Forster has actually done a decent amount of movies, some good ones. Um, he did a great movie um, back in 2001. Did you ever see Monsters Ball? No. So he's the director of Monsters Ball, Finding Neverland, The Kite Runner. So, oh, and Stranger Than Fiction as well. <laughs> That's such a random other So good, one. like comedies dramedies yeah but uh so yeah either way because i had seen most of his movies before quantum i'm like okay well different director than casino rail but at least this guy knows how to tell stories right. and i think he does a good job with this for his first action movie i thought yeah. he did really well some of it is like a lot of that like chris nolan batman action stuff was like just so fast you don't know what's going on with the editing but a little bit, not too bad. Still great stuff, though. I mean, I love that scene that where he's chasing another chase on foot scene, chasing that guy around, and when they're jumping on rooftops and everything like that, yeah. great scene. And when they end up in, I don't know what that is, just some like chapel hall that's being renovated. I just love that whole sequence. Yeah, and one thing that I guess we kind of touched on already, but like when these movies, it's really great. Like you definitely get the feel that like. Uh, he's very James Bond is capable, but he's not like a superhero. He is tr- he is struggling and trying in every chase scene and every fight that he's doing. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, he's running off adrenaline, nearly out of breath. But yeah. yeah, I mean, he's not a superhero. He doesn't have the superpowers. He's just gonna automatically win like that. Exactly. 
So I do appreciate that because like that's another but thing that I, I love that sequence though, because you know the guy's about to grab his gun, and he's just trying to like tear down anything around him just to make the guy fall or something, and just the ending shot though, of him finally grabbing his gun as the, as the one guy's the grabbing his gun and just pointing up and yep, and then we go into Jack White and Alicia Keys, yeah, which that song I at the time was big on. Fast forward twelve years and I'm kind of like Meh. yeah. I have a personal vendetta against Jack White. I hate the White Stripes. <laughs> but I like just about every other band that Jack White is in, but his mainline White Stripes, I've never liked the White Stripes. Listening to the song, I'm just like, it's such a far cry from the first one, which they don't have to be similar, but it's just the quality doesn't seem to be there. No, and I, I remember liking this song quite a bit. Maybe just time has done something different to me, but... When I was listening to it, watching it through the sequence at this time, I was just kind of like, ah, I don't know. Like, No, I just was like, this song sucks. Feeling it, not feeling the, it. Yeah, the visuals are pretty cool. Not too bad. Not as visually striking as Casino Royale's opening credits. It is cool to see people like, uh, I guess, ladies rising out of the sand, though. There's All those different shots were pretty cool. Yeah. But the song, yeah, I was kind of so mixed this time watching. Like, Oh, this time I'm just like, I hate you. <laughs> I'm like I don't like this song, and I don't really like Jack White that much. Gosh, does that does that mean uh, writing on the wall might be better than this song? I guess we'll find out when we watch Spectre. Possibly, we'll see. But like, I'm just not a fan of that intro song. But I'm more of a fan of the rest of the movie, which was very surprising to me. Yeah. So why don't you go on? Just I don't know. Tell us some things you liked about it. One thing we never mentioned was Judy Dench's M. Right. She so she began being M. In 1995 with Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, so she's... So she was M all through the 90s, early 2000s with Pierce Brosnan. And they decided to just keep her on. Like, she's a good M, let's keep her. Yeah, she's a great M. Like, it's one of those things that like, kind of bridges the gaps. Like you said, like, there's always, like... James Bond always has had stints. And the care, you know, and then, like, all the characters have, like, usually the same stint. You know, of, like what sticks around like usually when you switch out the bond the rest of the characters kind of switch out sometimes but yeah judy dench's m i think is great i really like her and i do really like what they do with their they actually kind of like flesh out a cool a nice relationship between m and bond in this one they do well Which, i mean i even like there's they're like they have really good back and forth dialogue even in the casino royale that we didn't really talk about yeah but they carried on into this one too which it always feels like you know like oh jay like Bond's kind of usually an ass to M, which it, it he definitely is in this one too. But it also gets the added benefits like, oh, you tried to kill her. I'm like, well, now I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. Like that just shows like, yeah, I'm kind of an ass, but I care about her quite a bit. I saw one like he broke into your computer he, with your password. How the hell does he know these things? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so great. So I like that. I definitely like Judy Dench's M. Um, but yeah, Sorry. like this one, like is actually like not as like a fla- like flailing movie plot as I re- had remembered or ha- what is imprinted on when the- it originally came out. Because I'm like, it's actually really good. Like, I mean, like I'd only seen it once, so this is practically pretty much brand new. There was hardly anything in this movie that I remembered besides the ending of like the facility exploding. That's the only part I remembered. But everything else. Which- was like new again still and same for me because it's been like probably 
I don't know, even though I own it, it's still probably been minimal eight years since I've watched this movie. Right. I do still have that same image in my head, though, of that slow-mo shot of the glass wall shattering with the fire and explosions going off in that yeah. hotel room at the end. Like, that image, for whatever reason, just stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. But uh, it, we brought in the story. You know, he's been betrayed by um, Vesper, and we find out that she was actually engaged to a guy. Yeah. And to, does, does he have connections to Quantum? I am not slash sure. Spectre. Watching this, I'm like, I think he was. I don't think so. Because I know Bond wants to find him. Right. Very interested in finding him. Yeah, I don't know exactly what his connection was. I like, I think I missed that. Maybe they need to do more research. But yeah, because I feel like Quantum is a branch off the overall Spectre Empire. Right. Whatever Spectre is. They're essentially trying to, like, fulfill a, a particular purpose. And they're doing so, like, by raising funds. Yeah. They're essentially, like, trying to fund that branch of the overall mission is what it seems like. So, what is the country he goes to? Uh, I can't think of the country he goes to. Um, it's Italy. I think Sicily. Sicily. Well, it, Italy is where he takes Mr. White to. Oh yeah, but after oh. all, that whole sequence, um, where does he end up? Because he, I mean, he gets disavowed. They cut off everything, his flight information, everything, and he's on his own to solve the mystery, basically. But yeah, I mean, what I love is uh, one of my favorite moments is so he's checking the he he kills that one gentleman at the hotel, and then he goes downstairs and they say, "Hey, well, hey, got this package here for you that came. You you want it now?" I was like, "Sure." Goes outside, and that's when the girl pulls around the car and basically gets into character playing this other guy. Yeah. And I just love, like, what's in there? And he's like, looking, looking. He's like, ah, looks like somebody wants to kill you. Yes. Now, I do rem- I didn't remember that, but uh, that was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Strawberry Field. No, Strawberry Fields is the redhead. Never mind. Yeah. She's the one that shows up. Hence the redhead. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I do like that. He's like, looks like someone tried to. And she tries to shoot him, then he just kind of like gets out and she drives away which is amazing i love the scene where he like right after that the guy's just like you're supposed to kill her then he's like well i guess i missed and then like slaps the guy's like bike and like flips it over on him and then he grabs it and takes it which i thought was i love that part which leads you know he's following her around goes to the docks where we we get deeper into the story seeing what she's all about how she wants to we learn later you know this dictator killed her family and she wants to go after him yeah, I completely forgot about that entire storyline, which actually like definitely like helps flesh out her character. Like she has a strong purpose. She's she's a good character. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that boat chase sequence was awesome. I love that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then Strawberry Fields comes in, and she's here to you know you're coming back with me. We're gonna, you know you've been disembowelled. We're gonna take you back to London. Doesn't do it. And what I, one thing I love is you know we we find out later that um, Green ends up killing her. Great callback to Goldfinger, though. Instead yeah. of covered in gold, though, we find her covered in oil. Covered in oil with all of it in her, like, in her lungs, too. Everything, yeah. Which she... I do, I was actually, that's something I'd forgotten about. Well, I, I should stop saying that, because I forgot about this entire movie. <laughs> but something that I thought was very, power, like, very, like, meaningful, like, powerful for the movie itself was just, like, showing, like, 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 M comes in and is like, look, like, look at her. She was just an office person. She all she was supposed to do was bring you back, but because you're kind of being selfish, 
and because you're like on this revenge tale, you got her killed. She was as innocent as she could be for working for an MI6. She was just a desk jockey and you killed her. <laughs> like, I thought that was really like a good moment. Cause it's like, yeah, you're like on a path of destruction. You're everything you touch is dying, which I think is like something that's very interesting and definitely like helps flesh out. Like, you know, like revenge is like, dig two graves right and uh, so much more just yeah what i'm trying to say it's just more great moments for this these movie mo- these movies say a lot more than i thought they did yeah originally. And, and it's nice to kind of see them with the fresh eyes two years later right because you know you're not a teenager anymore so you just i don't know you just you get the stories more you get the emotional parts of them more yeah it's just it's really cool to see that i mean i had totally forgotten about a lot of this movie like the party scene i totally had forgotten about yeah um Mathis comes back. Yes. He, which that's something I kind of like was unfamiliar with until you're telling me like, Oh yeah. Like Vesper is the one that betrayed Mathis. They thought betrayed. So they tortured him and found he was innocent. And they even mentioned that like, well now that they gave you a nice villa yeah. because they were wrong. A sweet place for the sweet view to live yeah. with your lady. <laughs> but <laughs> that's yeah. And that, we see a lot of, we see a lot more Felix lighter in this, which is great. Yeah. Um, you see him and the uh, the other guy. Which did you recognize the guy with the mustache? Yeah, David Harbor. David Harbor. Yeah, I was which, just like, uh, no clue that he was back in the day. I know. I was walking. I'm like, it's David Harbor, isn't? I looked up. I'm like, god damn, that's David, David Harbor. Harbor. So yes, <laughs> well, well before Stranger Things. <laughs> well, yeah. But I was just like, I was well, like, no way. And I'm like, yeah, before like he was really a house. He was a household name. It wasn't until Stranger Things. Oh yeah, no, way before Harbor. Jim Harper. Yeah, or Hopper. <laughs> yeah, he played this CIA agent along with Jeffrey Wright, which oh, it, it's so good to see those two. And I like their collaborations a lot too. Like they had some good moments. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm trying to think of a good, really good, solid moments in this. Besides, I mean, you got your good action scenes. Like you've got your again the another on foot chase scene, mm-hmm. which is great. You've got your boat scene. Um, does open up with that really intense chase scene. In the really, I, I just love watching the story unfold. Like yeah. you know, it's because it's a continuation of Casino Rail, and just watching the story continue to unfold. And then the the ending is just, I think, great. Like I think so too. It felt brief. It's more brief than I remember it having. Like the hotel starts blowing up way way earlier than I remember it blowing up. But uh, still, some great stuff though. And I mean, you yeah. see that girl that seemed with uh, the gal and. Uh, the dictator fighting just ugh, so crazy yeah and her almost letting herself burn alive in the fire too it's just nuts yeah cause she it seemed like i was watching that i'm like yeah i guess she'd figured she, there was no way she was getting out of that like there's just fire all the way around her and uh, they, like i like how even that and especially that ending where you know they're talking like oh it's you know, it's hard if it's personal. And then he's just like, okay, close your eyes. He's like, he's about to shoot her in the head so she doesn't burn alive. Yeah. And then you see the panel just fall off and he sees the hydrogen cells and he shoots that, which that explosion, I'm like, you should probably be dead anyway. But movie. Maybe. Who cares? <laughs> they move the camera goes to the outside, so we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but And I know I remember that being like the finale. Like it being like Wait, when did the it's airplane pretty... scene happen? Was that before that? That's before that. Okay, never mind, never mind. Then, but yeah, like right? okay, isn't it? For some reason, I I picture. Well, I'm drawing blank. Like, now no. they they end up in the desert, and where they walk, they get back to the hotel. 
Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So that Mark. the airplane scene was way before that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was got a little bit confused because, yeah, like after like the whole thing blows up, they walk out and then he grabs the car and goes, fuck, and goes, gets Mr. Greenland, drops him off in the middle of the desert. Which is just, oh, man. He's Which like, is just like, you're I'm in not a gonna, desert. I'm I, not going to kill you. Like, you're going to walk 20, 20 miles before you start drinking this stuff. And I do love that he just throws him a can of motor oil and's like, I'll give you 20 hours before you start considering to drink that. And he just takes off and leaves him in the desert. He's like, oh, shit. <laughs> I do still love, like, he kind of, like, he's an agent, so he doesn't, like, but he sometimes still goes out of his way to be vindictive, especially since he's still on a revenge crusade. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to leave you here. Here's some fucking motor oil. Get fucked. <laughs> I mean, that what a better way to kill someone, though. Yeah. Quick and easy bullet, or tempt him with motor oil and he kills himself essentially because they m confirms later on they found him found him in the desert full of more motor oil in his stomach with two bullets in his head because i guess some like someone came to kill him someone else did yeah yeah but uh gosh i don't know good movie though like i again i thought as far as the sequel goes not quite 100% great like Casino Royale, but still a great sequel. And it definitely didn't need to be. Casino Royale needed to be amazing to just kind of re- revamp the character, revitalize it completely. While you didn't need Casino Royale quality, like obviously, but it didn't like really heavily dip in the quality. Oh, I don't either. think so either. And I mean, Casino Royale, especially, it's kind of weird too, because you go from two and a half hour movie to hour 45. So you drop 45 minutes too, which is nice. But. Yeah. But yeah, you're 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 absolutely right though, because Casino Royale said everything nicely. And now we're just continuing the story. I mean, we go into more with Skyfall coming out here I soon. Know. I haven't seen haven't seen Skyfall or Spectre, so I'm very excited to finally fucking watch these movies. Well, good. I'm um, trying to think. We are already running pretty long here, so I'm trying to think of different ways before we wrap this up here. Things you want to talk about? Quantum of Solace. Let's talk about I guess the very end. So Bond finally meets uh, Vesper's. Ex fiance, mm-hmm. was he hus- husband? Beyonce, I forget. Fiance, fiance, okay. And hey, a good moment there where he's like, mm, Nice necklace, got one just like it. Friend yeah. gave it to me, yeah. Now I'm still kind of like iffy. I'm like, I don't un- quite understand exactly how this all plays into the greater picture. The bigger, yeah, I'm, picture. Tr- I'm trying to figure out where Vesper's fiance stands, like possibly part of Spectre, but like I said, it's hard for me to speculate since i haven't seen the next two movies this is where my craig bond knowledge ends i'm under the influence that he put vesper in the situation that we see her in in casino royale and then that's ultimately he gets her killed which leads to her death yeah so bond does have a vengeance i mean we do think bond is gonna kill him right then and there oh yeah but then he doesn't he has that little heel turn moment he's like i've learned i get it now and that great moment with him and M right there at the end. And then, yeah, basically it was the last shot. Him dropping the uh, necklace in the snow. And the last shot's just the necklace sitting in the snow. Yeah. Good stuff. I know. Like, very so- like solid movie. This, Not as good as Casino Royale, but again. It like, kind of goes darker, though, in the, with this one. A little bit darker in the tale. It kind of, well, yeah, he's kind of just, like, setting, settling into, like, a revenge. Not really, like, PTSD, but he's just, like, because it literally just happened. And he doesn't know who to trust yeah who's telling the truth but yeah I, I mean i do like scenes like when he goes to recruit mathis 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 i do like that i do like when he meets with Phil- felix in the uh the bar and then he gives him as like you got 30 seconds 
And so I kind of like how he just like busts out of that. Moving. I love how he busts out of the the top level and just like immediately like just a super quick takedown of like one of the CIA like agents like grabs his gun like elbows him a couple times in the face and knocks him out then he just like splits. Like I just kind of love how like like they even say it in the movie this movie ruthlessly efficient. Craig's Bond has got so much or so many good hand-to-hand combat moments. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of some other things that if we, or if we we're kind of just done here with uh, these first two Bond movies. Uh, I definitely look forward to you seeing um, Skyfall. Skyfall Inspector. That'll be fun to talk about those too. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any good trivia here for this one. Uh, I don't know. But overall, like watching these two movies has been very fun. Like I said, like essentially I'm rewatching a movie that I've seen a lot and then essentially almost watching a movie for the first time over again. So this is interesting. So it's Daniel Craig felt Casino Royale was physically a walk in the park compared to the movie Quantum of Solace. His training was extremely intense, involving more boxing, running, speedboating and stunt driving. He was injured three times in the making of the movie. That's it. Jeez. <laughs> Damn, that's crazy. I don't know. Like I said, like we've said it. I as of right now, especially rewatching these movies, Craig is probably my favorite Bond. He definitely is. I mean, every so every every James Bond actor has been right for their era, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it really is hard to come because I I mean I thought Sean Connery was great. I thought for his time, Roger Moore was great. Dalton, I'm still on the fence with. Mm-hmm. Pierce Brosnan at the time, I thought was good. And now you got Daniel Craig. Yeah. I mean, when it comes down to it, my favorite two are definitely Sean Connery and Daniel Craig. Yeah. They are just amazing in this role. Yeah. So maybe they, that's a better way to put it. They, they, you're right. They pick a great James Bond for each generation. Right. And I will say, you know, as a, a good second, third place, though, George Lasby, he only did one Bond film. It's still a great Bond. Which which Bond film was he that? He did On Her Majesty's Secret Service, so right at the end of the 60s, I think it was. I think I've seen that one. It's been a while. A lot of skiing in that one, or like they're up in the mountain. But yeah, Sounds about right. It's a good one. But Roger Moore's great too. Dalton fits. I don't know. Dalton was my least favorite. Not to say he was a bad Bond. He was just my least favorite. Okay. Fair enough. But good stuff, though. All right, well, uh, yeah, I think let's let's wrap this up here, Daniel. So this has been Bond Talk, you know, great, fun episode. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll be back here soon. I don't know in the weeks to come when, but in the weeks to come, we'll be talking Skyfall and Spectre as we, you know, get into No Time to Die, which I'm, after seeing these two, looking forward to more. Yeah, for sure. But definitely want to see the other two first, just to kind of get the story all... All fleshed out, uh, All up fleshed to out, speed. up to speed. That's yeah. right. All right, Daniel. Well, let's move on here and let's do some Rotten Tomato gambling game. Wake up. Okay. So, what did we bet on last week? I believe it was Call of the Wild, or was that the week before? I, I think, think it was Call of the Wild. Okay. So, last week, Jordan and I bet on Call of the Wild, uh, starring Harrison Ford and a bunch of crappy CGI animals. And. Not Chewy. No, and it looks like Jordan bet 48%. I bet 57%. And as of right now, the Rotten Tomato score is 63%. Ooh, making Daniel the winner. Making me the winner. Ta-da. 
So, what are we going to bet on this week? Give me a second here. What's coming out this weekend? Uh, the Invisible Man. Let's bet on the Invisible Man. You want to bet on the Invisible Man? Yep, bet on the Invisible Man. Okay. So we're going to be betting on the Invisible Man. <laughs> so, I mean, this is another horror movie. And every horror movie that they've released thus far this year has tanked horribly. Why should this one be any different? Right. So I'm going with 40%, and that might still be generous, but... Hmm. This is probably too generous. I'm really not sure. I mean, it doesn't look like a horrible movie, but it doesn't look great either. I said straight down the middle, 50. Okay. So as of right now, with 38 reviews, it's sitting at an 87%. Really? This might be the first good horror movie of the year. Maybe we should go see it. Possibly. <laughs> but yeah, so, wow, 87%, 38 at time of recording. I'm not going to lie, part of me is curious, but I don't know. It feels like it, I'm curious, but it feels like a rent it for me still. You bet 50%? Yep. Okay. But we'll find out next week who's the next winner. Next week. All right, cool. Well, what are you going to sign me, Daniel? Oh, gosh, Jordan, I don't know. Pick one. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> I, you've seen so many more movies. It's so hard for me to find a movie that you haven't seen that you should see. Still a lot. How about the Paul Newman story? No. Shall we American? Shall we American? Oh, have you not watched that? I still haven't sat down no, and watched yeah, Shall we American. Yeah, just watch that then. That's great. All right. I will watch Shall we American. And That'll I'll be... hopefully try and squeeze in Nocturnal Animals. And oh, you're going to watch it, Daniel. Hopefully. Or you could assign me Good Time. That's on Netflix now. No. No? No. Same guys that that's the same guys that did um Jordan. The answer is no. <laughs> Uncut Gems. Oh really? Mm-hmm. What movie's that? Uncut Gems, Adam Sandler? No, no. The like what that's oh, called Good Time. They just put it on Netflix. Oh, well I'm gonna add that. I'm you don't get to watch it, but I'm gonna add it so I can watch it. Fine. <laughs> Still watch Shelby American. Cool. Just do it. Oh, that's the Robert Patterson one. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That only came out a couple years ago, too. All right. Still not sure what we're coming back with next week. Maybe we'll see Hollow Man. Maybe we'll be back for more Bond. But uh, stay tuned. Daniel, where can they find us? You can find us online on Instagram and Twitter. Movies underscore brews. Let us know what... I'm like, well, let us know what you thought of these movies that are 12 years old at this point. Uh, Love them, hate them, think one of us saw us. Got a bad rap at the time, but it still holds up pretty well, I think. Uh, but let us know what you think, I guess, is the point of this. Let us know what you think of Daniel Craig as Bond, and let us know what you who your favorite James Bond is. And on that note, thanks, everybody, for the downloads. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on Movies and Brews. Cheers! Cheers.